0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Ethics
2: in football, we dug ourselves a hole. Is it right or wrong to smash a player's skull? Ain't hey, no easy answers, but there's one thing I know. Now it's time to play that banjo. Football's our favorite, but won't you please take note? We see it's got some problems. We're all in the same boat. Reckoning with football's past, I reckon you better paddle
1: Welcome to Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Paul, joined as always by my co-conspirators, Andrew Stevenson, and Brian Scott Rippey, and also joined by a special guest today. Um, you know, first
2: guest on the program.
1: First ever guest on Banjo. Uh, so he's a writer and editor um, for the newly dropped Moon Crew LLC. Uh, co-authored the sinful seven uh, which is one of the best pieces of college football writing I've read in recent memory uh, and just an all-around college football writer um, you know one of the rising stars in the industry we're very fortunate to have Mr. Alex Kirchner join us today Alex how are we
3: I'm great thrilled to be here I heard I heard about the chance to be on a podcast with some cool people and can't can't wait to hear what we're talking about
2: Um, You were given bad information, sir. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, I will pamper you a little. I bought your book, uh, but I'm not going to brag like KP and said that I've read it because um, I'm specifically buying literature and shelving it because uh, that's what one does. That's the real way
3: to do it, yeah. Read Twitter
2: seven hours a day. Don't pick up a real book.
3: (laughs) For sure. I'm right there with you. I mean, honestly, I haven't even read the book if we want to be. (laughs) So
2: So before we get started, I do want to ask a little bit, um, just as a couple sports media nerds here, uh, touch on Moon Crew a little bit. I mean, it dropped, it looks like seven, eight hours ago. And so um, we would love to hear more.
3: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for asking. Uh, So I used to write for a lot of years at SB Nation, Banner Society, Vox Media, um, you know, what have you. Uh, we've had a lot of different kind of names over our head over the years, but with some great colleagues, um, a few of which uh, are, are still uh, working together with with me on this awesome thing that we just started. Uh, Spencer Hall, Jason Kirk, Richard Johnson. Uh, for now, it's a newsletter a couple times a week, totally free at mooncrew.substack.com. Uh, and it's also encompasses the shutdown forecast, which I think a lot of folks in this corner of the internet are familiar with. And uh, we hope we'll do some other things too. But, you know, it, it's media is kind of a weird business as you guys have probably become accustomed to. And uh, we decided that if we're going to uh, succeed or fail, we'd, we'd like to keep doing it together. So uh, let's give it a shot and see if we can get some people to be interested in some college football adjacent, they're not entirely college football, media ventures.
2: Yeah, uh, Rippy is now a food writer, and so I think he can attend to the Total respect. variability of the media yeah.
3: industry.
0: Yeah, I did the whole volatility like media thing, and I my position at Super Talk got eliminated because of COVID. Been scrambling the last couple of months, like everyone else, but I decided to like get out to some degree. I'm still like working for the two four seven side at Old Miss the Old Miss Spirit. And a couple other places part time, but as far as nine to five, I'm now a corporate man. I'll send you all business cards. Pretty sweet.
3: Wait, that's, <laughs> what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. You need you need to get that corporate gig at some point. Out of out of. I mean, it's good to get your first layoff under your belt if you're in media for a while. And I was happy to do that earlier this year. But <laughs> yeah, but I you know I, would, they're, like, I
0: they're like Eagle Scout badges. <laughs> my, uh, yeah. my first day of work was today, and they're like, "So how much do you experience? You have working in offices?" And I was like, zero.
3: what's an office office? yeah
0: Yeah.
2: rippy we've done we've done some uh some harebrained press box work over the over the years if you want to call that office work
3: (laughs) yes i was about to say those
0: offices look a little different than the one i walked into today where they had like you know cubicles and paperwork and shit it was wild
2: um so i guess we'll use that as our first uh segue there into What a press box, what a college football world. I I know that the only thing that anyone has seemingly talked about over the last uh, 16 weeks, because uh, it has taken 16 weeks in America because bigger and better and everything here. Um, But what what do you think is going to happen in terms of the efficacy of the next four weeks? Leading up to college or let's say six weeks, because I I, I think that once we get into the actual uh, meat and um, potatoes of the season, uh, we'll have about three or four weeks before things get canceled. But I'm interesting to see sort of the messaging before what goes on right now.
3: I'm trying not to be one of those people who confidently says what's going to happen Uh well, in twenty like, twenty, you, you liberal
1: media that's getting the season canceled. Yeah,
2: but you're you're
3: pulling it yeah. over. Wait, I'm trying. I'm trying. No, I've been I've been trying very hard for the last <laughs> few months to get the season canceled because I don't I don't like it and I don't like making money. Um, but I think that there's clearly going to be a, a significant effort made by at least one or two or three conferences and. I think we all know who will be the last one to say, screw it. If, uh, if, if it goes that way, but
2: it just means more,
3: it just means more. It just means more. Uh, they're going to try really hard. I sincerely hope for their success and that it can be done with, I mean, I, I don't I guess I would say minimal loss of life. I mean, saying and that, that, that's the thing where you get to it when you say, I hope it can be done with minimal loss of life. You're like, what are we doing here? Cause really like how many is too many? Uh, and I don't like to be in the the business of devaluing human life, but it seems like that's the way that some of college football is going. So um, I hope that it's not an out and out disaster. And I hope that it quote unquote works. Uh, I, I've thought to myself a lot the last couple of weeks, what are we doing here? Because I do not think that it is, you know, I don't think it's particularly possible to do this even in like a 2020 adjusted version of the word safe. I don't know how that could possibly happen looking at, pictures of uh, like main drags in various college towns and seeing this news in North Carolina today where they've got multiple clusters after just a couple days of students being on campus. I hope it works guys. I hope it works. But
2: uh, yeah. So Rippy one, one, uh, I got a bone to pick with the state of Mississippi after reading a tweet today because it said one 71 of the 82 counties in Mississippi or the schools in Mississippi counties had positive COVID tests at their schools. One why the fuck do y'all have 82 counties? That's absolutely ridiculous. And and it sounds like gerrymandering out the ass. And two, I I mean, I I think we've seen up to this point that there is absolutely no prayer of with, with any pictures of anyone has seen from college campuses um, that we have any shot of doing this normally. I mean, I think everyone has seen from my niche of the Athens world KP looking in Tuscaloosa, Rippy, I'm sure you've seen from Oxford, like college students are acting as college students. And like, especially when you don't have governors or states mandate that bars close down. I I mean, I I see no way that these schools within the next three weeks don't all just become their own hotspots.
0: Yeah. So as a Texas resident for four days now, I've distanced myself from Mississippi. So I don't really know anything about their doing (laughs) anymore. As far (laughs) as the 82 counties, I don't know why we have 82 counties. I couldn't name half of them, but it does not seem to your point does not seem very feasible. I do. I, I guess I'll pose this for Alice. I do find it fascinating. You mentioned. I think we all know who the last one to say pretty much fuck it would be. Is there a oh,
3: world we getting curse on this podcast? I wasn't oh, sure. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. What, what are, uh, yeah.
0: Okay. You can't do it anyway. But like, is there a world where you get like I look at this and if they're remotely successful for four or five weeks because it was interesting when you saw kind of the the actual fragmentation of college football. And, you know, the really lack of central leadership manifests itself with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten canceling and the other three going forward. Some of the quotes coming out and even some people I heard around Oxford, but even more so, like very much more well-connected people like Ross Dellinger. There's almost like an element of spite to the other two canceling. And so I guess the question I posed is, is there a world where you get four or five weeks into it? And the SEC just wills it to the finish line, even if it becomes an unsafe farce. Like it just kind of seems like you could be headed that way.
3: Yeah. There's we, there's absolutely a a way that that could happen. Like we're in a world now where we have like an ongoing humanitarian disaster in this country. And like quite a few folks, uh, including many with power have just kind of said, fuck it. So sure. Like there's, there's very little that I would rule out. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's what, one hundred seventy thousand dead people just in the United States. You know, yeah, right? yeah. And we, I, I, I don't want to predict. So, like, well, I don't know. What's the number that's going to get everyone to con- like chill out and like be like, I we are making people- wholesale changes. I don't. I'm not sure that there is a number. I think I, that there's. I
2: was about to say, people keep it like if you added if you change the one to a two and made it 270 does right. that like that really it's, just, right. it's still a statistic like what is it The uh, an individual death is a tragedy a group of deaths is something like that yeah like just it's become it's become conditionalized now i mean this is just like oh turn on the news we got another sh- school shooting death like this is just the world that we live in because this country sucks
3: yeah, but, I'm not trying to be lame here. I mean, really, like you know, I, I, I don't want to be... No, yeah. You can't live your life. You can't have fun of me. I had some folks out in my backyard from a distance a few minutes ago. It, like, you know, I hope that people can live their lives. But, like, do we really think that this is... This sport that requires consistent physical contact 160 times per afternoon, plus practice four days a week?
1: Plus travel. and plus, yeah.
3: plus you have to live on a college campus where colleges are... I just... I, I really hope that I would love to be like this dumb late media overreacting. I would love that, and you can own me forever. If so, <laughs> like call me call me whatever you want.
2: I'm not mad. Uh, you don't write that.
3: I, won't be I mad. literally I legit won't be mad if it turns out that I'm absolutely wrong about this. Cool, but I'm just I'm pretty suspect about it.
1: Yeah, Alex, I remember you tweeting uh, back in March, and this might have been like March 18th or 9th, sometime pretty early on in the pandemic. You tweeted out, um, "Folks, get ready to experience—you know—a severely modified college football season," and you got lit up for. Yeah, people didn't like that. Yeah. Uh, wh- what has it been like over the last five months, slowly watching your entire timeline realize what's happening?
3: I don't know. Not great. I like. I don't. Not, you know. I was hoping that this wouldn't be like a a year long thing for all of us here. I mean, yeah. I. Not great. I, I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago after, um, Herman Cain passed away. Like I, I can be kind of an asshole sometimes. And like, Oh, like you love to say, I told you so, or like it's going to run. No, it just sucks. Like we we all lose on this when, when things get worth worse with coronavirus and nobody, including me, including even the absolute smartest people in the country who are epidemiologists know exactly what's going to happen. And so when you have a pessimistic prediction and it works out to be correct, that just sucks because it just means that we're all kind of screwed together. Um, so I've hated it. Um, I do think that a good way to make money is to bet against college football being organized, and that has definitely turned out to be true. Um, I think the reason that college football has not gotten it together is sort of a feature, not a bug, of the way that they've set this sport up since, like, the very early 1900s, even the late 1800s. So um, I guess I was I, I was a little hopeful that. Kind of the NCAA tournament and college basketball and college baseball, college softball would take the hit back in March and April, uh, and there'd be a more organized, cohesive plan by this time. But it hasn't happened, and I, that's kind of by design. I mean, it, the system was sort of designed for Greg Sankey and the SEC to be able to decide something totally different than Larry Scott in the Pac-12 or Kevin Warren in the Big Ten. It was like it was built that way, um, sort of in the same way that we built states in this country to decide to do different things
2: and i and to bring up sort of i think something that you brought up recently on twitter which is almost the opposite of what kp said but sort of relates into how if we're just going to push on with college football this season um you essentially said that we've just made up how you determine a champion for now over 100 years and so like in the hypothetical like one thing that i've kind of realized about this entire shitty situation is like part of the reason that i think we are in this is because humans and i think particularly like americans we renormalize and like reconditionalize ourselves extremely easily and so like now it like it used to be or 10 weeks ago it was unthinkable that we haven't been to a restaurant now it's like oh yeah i'm just a person that doesn't go out of my house anymore and so like if we begin to re-normalize ourselves to whatever this new version of college football might look like to where let's say there are only three conferences playing, what then, like, like, I guess I'm wondering, like, is there an argument that we are stupid enough to like convince ourselves as the season goes on that this could be legitimate? I mean, as the NBA is going on right now, I know that they're doing it safer and like the fact that there aren't positive tests and important players aren't missing, like, lends itself to the legitimacy of the title, but like I do have a feeling there are enough dumb people that are just gonna be like, no, this is a real season we're going through, even if like forty teams are playing.
3: Sure. I I think that there's no question that it's gonna be really hard to find a quote unquote legit champion this year because the season's so small. But on the same hand, like That's how college football has been for it's been. We've had college football for 150 years. The champion has kind of just been, hey, whoever the hell you think it is for all but the last 22. I think the BCS started in '98, right? Yeah. Uh, '97 or '98. So, you know, uh, I think that if the season, by some miracle, does go off in a relatively smooth way, and we have. You know, nine or ten games per power conference team. Maybe if you get canceled, you have a playoff consisting of, uh, you know, the best teams from three or four conferences. Maybe this is finally the year that a group of five team gets in. If the uh, American and the Sun Belt Conference USA, if someone goes undefeated, who knows? But like, that would honestly be the most normal thing of college football history applied to twenty twenty would be a total mess of deciding what's real and what's not because. Uh, there's a long history of schools just kind of deciding, "Hey, you know, we think we have a championship here," and who can really say no? You don't because there, there's there's not a governing body, certainly not the set up to tell you you can't. So, hey, you know, I, I guess I, I guess I can embrace that as a little ray of sunshine this year. Yeah,
0: you see. Yeah. Union, yeah. Oh, sorry, what were you saying? Uh- No, I was just going to take that a step further. And your opinion, obviously you're well-versed in the history of college football, but the thing to me that I've looked at through all of this is like, I don't necessarily give a shit kind of what it looks like this year. What's fascinating to me is what this looks like a year, 18 months to two years down the road. And so I think even before the pandemic, you kind of saw that that college football kind of needed a bit of a reckoning, but what was going to be a powerful enough to actually kind of change the actual tide of it? and uh, uh like strangely enough it was a uh contagious virus but mm-hmm. I, to that point what does this look like in one to two years in your opinion in terms of the power five because it it is like is it too predictable of a take now to say that they're going to break away because that almost seems tailor-made i've
3: this is an area where i i can confess that Maybe I'm just not well versed enough to understand why it makes sense because I've heard a lot of people, including some people that I really respect, report that, you know, there's this movement afoot or that it would make sense for the power five to break from the NCAA. And I haven't yet had it explained to me in a way that I really get it why they would do that. Because on the one hand, the NCAA was just set up by the schools themselves Uh, And it really is just doing the bidding of those schools. Uh, You know, Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA certainly deserves all of the shit that you might throw at him for choosing to be the front man for amateurism and choosing to go to Congress and say things that there is no way any person could honestly believe about the role that athletes play in revenue generation and this ecosystem of college sports. Sure. But who hired him? Like, and who are on the, and who fills the committees that actually make the NCAA's rules? It's, university presidents, athletic directors, conference administrators, you know, he's not doing this by himself. And so people have said, would the power five break from the NCAA? It would still be the same decision makers on those campuses who are the ones who staff these NCAA committees. And there's a bit of perhaps a power five group of five divide, you know, separate from the dynamics between the NCAA office and the power five. But about five years ago, the NCAA gave the Power Five a lot of authority to make their own rules, even within the NCAA. So, and and the college football playoff is not within the NCAA's jurisdiction. It's set up by a separate company called the Playoff. So, I don't really get it, and I've tried, and, and maybe I just haven't had it explained right to me. I've read a lot of things about it, but. If you guys have a theory about why that would make sense and why why it would happen or why it'd be good, I'm, I'm legitimately open to it because enough smart people have said it could happen, but I just don't get it. It hasn't it hasn't for me.
0: To your point, I think the skepticism is smart because like the assumption that if they did break away is that they would move away from the whole like amateurism model to some degree. But at the same time, you're seeing decision makers make decisions to preserve the model. So why would they want to break away? Yeah, I mean,
3: whippy, they- you saw this. I mean, yeah, as an old Miss person, like, Ole Miss and its colleagues voted for the exact governance structure that came down on Ole Miss with a hammer a couple years ago. I mean, Ole Miss hated it when it was happening to them, but they did it. Uh, and they hated it when it was happening to them however many years before, but they still were part of a voting block that did it then, too. And the same is true of Auburn, Ohio State, Oklahoma, all these schools that have lost national championship opportunities because of you know NCAA bullshit their conferences in which they have a vote still like help make these processes exist. And it's sort of a mess because the system is designed for it to not be any one, one school or even one conference is doing that these rules exist. But I think it it might be a situation where people just like to blow smoke about how much they hate the NCAA, even though they built it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I, I think this plays into, you see this a lot or I've seen this recently with high school athletic associations sort of in regard to Corona where schools and uh, like high schools and the particular state athletic associations are like almost deferring to each other or to, to whoever has the less stringent set of rules. So they can almost push unpaid labor into whatever sort of entertainment vehicle that they want to. And like, I think that we see this, like you were saying, I, I think we see this, that they almost relish the disorganization right now because, and we've talked about this on previous episodes where you have these large scale crises and you just end up blaming systems and institutions and you don't have individual Like individuals that are actually making the Greg Sankey's, the Mark Emmert's, the Larry Scott's, the Bowlesby's of the world that are making these decisions. They don't actually end up like taking any of the heat from it because they'll end up saying it's a university president decision. The university Mm -hmm. presidents will end up saying that it's an NCAA thing. The NCAA thing will say it's down on the conferences. And so like you're seeing this with in particular in Louisiana, the LHSAA and our high school. Um, they're essentially our high school is saying well we're deferring to the LHSAA and the LHSAA has put in very loose protocols basically for what's going on and they understand that those protections aren't up to code but they can shield themselves behind that organization from mm-hmm. any blame while still pushing football out into the as a product in September or October
3: This was this really reminds me the way you're telling it of something that happened a couple years ago in Washington state Richard Johnson, who's a friend and now a business partner of mine with Moon Crew, um, did a story about uh, an effort there to pass a name, image and likeness bill, which we've seen in a handful of states at this point. And I don't think it's passed in Washington yet, but, you know, they've passed them in California and Florida, and I think they're on the way in some other pretty big states. There's this thing where... uh, personnel from Washington state or UW would show up at state legislative hearings and argue against rules that would let athletes be paid because they just are worried about what that could mean for their economic model at those schools. And so these people from these schools go out and argue against it. Okay. On the one hand, you have that. On the other hand, if the NCAA ever comes down against wazoo or UW. And let's let's say wazoo because how else are you going to get great players to commit to Washington State? Right. um You're going to have people from Washington State, the same group that just sent these people to testify against players getting paid in front of state lawmakers. You're going to have them suddenly saying, "The NCAA, we can't believe this. How dare they come down on us for yeah, yeah, yeah. just just observing the free market?" You know, and it's like at any given time, the NCAA, the the quote unquote NCAA is it this evil office in Indianapolis that uh, doesn't want to let players get paid and is bringing down the hammer because like some recruit got a quarter zip for less than full retail value. Or is it a school that actually voted to form the NCAA and to make its rules the way they are and is like quietly going to lawmakers and saying, allow us to do business this way. And it's this shape shifting that, that works really well because you know, I kind of like you're talking about with Louisiana high schools. I can't pick out one athletic director one university president and be like hey man it's your fault that you set up this college system to be the way that it is that's such a piece of shit system i can't because it's not one person it's hundreds of schools that have agreed to this over time and anytime they don't like it they can just say wow look at all these other schools that are doing it this way we have no power
0: and to your point on that it's like you talk about people just saying they hate the NCA to blow smoke because it's like the easy thing to say or the cool thing to do. It's like you saw Ole Miss get mad about it, but they tricked tripped over their own dick no less than eleven times in the whole process with the exemplary Crawford, <laughs> or I don't know Ross Bjork's number two voluntarily handing over cell phones to like investigators Would you yeah, maybe
3: don't do that next time, right,
0: Rock. Yeah. So like it's just like – it's like it's their excuse for acting stupid. When you get in trouble, it's like, well, we hate the NCAA. Not to mention we did nine dumb things that actually allowed this kangaroo court to actually kind of have power over us. Kirshner,
2: Kirshner aren't you uh, legally obligated to mention hiring Stephen Godfrey for all communicative measures between schools and the NCAA?
3: Well, you should do. You should hire Stephen Godfrey at 38Godfrey on Twitter. You can send him any complaints if this doesn't work out right, but uh, – yeah, just, you know, you, ne- you need to get someone in there who will give you the right advice, which is do not cooperate. There is no benefit to you in cooperating. Zero. I, I was thinking about this with, with UNC today. UNC might get in a lot of trouble because of this completely blown way that they handled the pandemic when they reopened their campus. They might get sued for all kinds of shenanigans uh, and a lack of oversight with the way they reopened their campus. You know what UNC didn't get in any trouble for? having years and years of fake classes and fake grades uh, for athletes because they just didn't cooperate. And the NCAA isn't a real police force and they have no real authority to do anything. I mean, you just, Missouri, Missouri had like, what, a handful of athletes cheat and they told the NCAA everything. And what did the NCAA do to Missouri? They banned them from a bowl for all year. You know. Maybe maybe don't do that.
1: We lost three scholarships over a two year period, or something devastating like that. Yeah,
2: and <laughs> yeah, Robert Quinn sat out for like one game against LSU, I think. Yeah, yeah some, some absolute wild stuff.
1: I, I think the most tell- piggybacking, well, not piggybacking, but going back just a little bit, I think the most telling thing is that you know you see you know random people you know across all social media saying, "Man, if we can't play football this fall." You know, the local economy will crumble, which may not be completely untrue. Um, but them saying that in the same breath and in the same wavelength, you know, affirming that athletes shouldn't be paid is almost asinine to me. If these 85 people are responsible for literally saving a city every year, uh, the fact that they're not compensated, at least, you know, in a regulated fashion, it, it's It's insane to me. I don't know how those two thoughts exist in the same brain.
3: I think it's a weird bit of cognitive dissonance. And it's annoying to have this conversation on Twitter because people will be like, they are paid. They get a scholarship and room and board and they get top level training from the best coaches and the best strength coaches. Like no one is saying that those things are valueless. Like I think most people who have played college football are glad that they did and talk about the value created. But like you said, Kippy. We're talking about an entire economic ecosystem, like an entire city's region's economy being bolstered by, like, eighty-five scholarship athletes. And great, like, what? And and, and remind you that like a scholarship. All right, so a tuition at a school might be worth forty-five thousand dollars a year if it's a really expensive school. Does it actually cost the school forty-five thousand dollars? Is it really worth that, or is that just the price fixed amount that it has been decided it is worth? Um, because you have to, in the American economy to get certain kinds of jobs, pay what colleges want you to pay. Right? Like, come on. I mean, like, let's cut the bullshit at some point And like, we can have a more intelligent discussion if we all agree, no college athletes do not get absolutely nothing. Like there are some benefits to being a college athlete, but also particularly at the power five level, like cut the shit. Yeah. You're not, like, let's not pretend that you would work for this if you were propping up an entire economy. Which is absurd, and is what we do in all of the college towns that you guys are from, and then plenty more.
2: It's the same people, I think, that say they would rather the uh, fifteen-minute phone call with Jay Z than fifteen thousand yeah. dollars.
3: <laughs> yeah, very similar.
0: Just all pay right. them. All right. You see uh, some of that sure. uh, with like the Pac 12 demands and all that, right? Because like some of them really just weren't feasible in terms of like even if they wanted to do that, they couldn't get it done in the amount of time that they said. But then you also had others, which I think really brought more light to anything, talking about like insurance. Because I've had this conversation with a couple like players, parents, where, like my kid who's not going to play in the NFL is going to have to have four or five major surgeries after he's done playing college football, and we're on the hook for that. And like, that kind of brings to light the type of shit where like, wait, they already didn't have insurance and healthcare and shit like that after like, that seems very obvious that it should already be the case in terms of just minimal compensation.
3: Yeah. I don't understand how anyone could make a good faith argument against lifetime healthcare or at least multi-decade healthcare for college football players. I mean, it's like, I think the only way that you could be opposed to that in good faith is to just have no understanding of the hell that football wreaks on your body. Like- Watch. Go watch a game, one game from the sideline, an SEC game, and and listen to the crunch every time someone hits someone. Every time an offensive tackle puts his hands on a defensive end, human bodies are not built to have the things done to them that are done in high level football. They're just not built for it. Uh, and given the money that's made, the fact that there is not a guaranteed long term healthcare arrangement of some kind is like a crime against the people who are involved. It's it's outrageous. There's no justification for it.
1: My my, my father, who actually uh, played offensive tackle for Southern University in the 80s, in wow. Madrid, yeah. he said, um, you know, if, if you really want to understand what football players go through, just pick one lineman. It could be whoever, offense, defense, pick one lineman and just watch them for the full game. And ask yourself, could you do that for three hours, once a week, every fall? I couldn't. Nope. No, <laughs> yep. no
3: I, like imagine it's like running a marathon while getting hit in the face with like a bean bag for a heavy bean bag for like half of that marathon.
1: Yeah. Do you want to do that? I, I personally, no.
2: <laughs> so, I think Southern, like, I think Southern is, is a good school to bring up in terms of some of the uh ancillary effects outside. I mean, we talk about the major casualties of Corona. I don't think like, ultimately I I think that we are arguing over minutia because college football ultimately could be canned for two full years and still come back on a power five level in 2022, if we needed to, but like the SWAC, I don't think can survive. Like, I mean, the Sunbelt is doing all they can right now to, to prop themselves up. But like you have places, I mean, the MEAC, the NIA, NAIA schools. I mean, and then you have, the volleyballs, the golfs, the tennises at all of these. I mean, I think we saw that Stanford cut something like 11 sports. So I guess taking Rippy's question earlier of like, where where do you see the football side of things? It's like, where do you see the entire everything outside of Power 5 football over the next two to three years?
3: Probably a lot of pain. And I think how much and exactly where it falls depends on the type of school. Uh, there are some schools that – are lucky enough to have other sports that can sustain themselves. Um, you know, Andrew, you're in Baton Rouge. You guys, are, you can't be. You guys are in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Uh, baseball at LSU, I, I believe, is a profitable or pretty close to profitable endeavor. Yeah, one of, one
2: of so, the old ones, but yeah. So
3: that's fairly rare. Um, you know, there are some schools where particular sports that aren't football can sustain themselves and can keep drawing an attention. Can they sustain themselves when there's a pandemic and you can't have live crowds? Perhaps not, because I, I don't think that most of them are running up big margins. But I think we're going to just see a lot of blood in you know, the lower part of the Power Five, the Group of Five, certainly FCS, D2, D3, non-football. Hard to predict exactly where it's going to fall, but uh, those programs that are not fortunate enough, don't have the tradition, don't have the media market to break close to even – and if, if you're not a big part of your school's tradition, if it's not something that a ton of people care about, you're, you're going to be a target for a, an athletic director who needs to find some savings. And uh, that's sad. And Matt Brown and his uh, he's a colleague, former colleague of mine, great friend right. in the extra points newsletter has written that in some cases it might not make sense for these schools to cut these sports because if you are a sport where you have a lot of athletes who are not on full scholarships and are paying tuition, you might actually, depending on the way that you're recruiting, you might actually make a small profit as a university, even on a sport like that. But maybe that's not reflected on your athletic department balance sheet because the athletic department's at a loss, even though the university as a whole is getting tuition. It's all just, it's it's very messy and it kind of goes back to there not being a standard way of accounting or doing business in college sports. But I think the only thing that is safe to predict is that broadly speaking, we're gonna see more sports programs be cut. We're going to see a lot of layoffs in athletic departments uh, and as bad as things might get in power five football, they're going to get considerably worse everywhere else.
2: Yep. Yeah. The uh, I, I think the, a lot of blood is probably a lot of pain is the easiest way to sum it up because we were talking about on the last episode that the way that, I, I mean, I want to use the word perverted just because the way that college football distorted, whatever you want, it, College football and then major college basketball to an extent have really like distorted the entire model of what the NCAA was built upon, which is essentially we need to bring like it is a service to bring kids in to be able to get them into school for free. Because like we've talked about, the minimum a college athlete should get is essentially the full scholarship, the room and board, everything that they need. And then it will hopefully gain them four years of education at a decent school, put them out into the world. But since there's been so much money into it, we've sort of like rewired the way that we think about it to where now the volleyball team that doesn't operate at, as, at a positive margin is now deemed as worthless to the school. And so like we we, I just think it's just been this entire We've we've professionalized college sports without compensating the athletes, and the result of that is the casualties of some of these small school small sports because they're not viewed as
0: profitable business entities when they've never really been a business entity in and of itself. It's like people forget they weren't originally intended to make a profit. Yep,
3: yeah. I, I think that the a thing that has been missed a lot the last couple of weeks around this discussion about college football, uh, and that is somewhat true more broadly of college sports uh, is that the reason that this is happening beside the United States blowing the pandemic and us having the worst numbers of any country in the developed world uh, is that it's an amateur sport where the labor not only is not paid, but doesn't have collective bargaining rights of any kind. And like we hear all this time, we've heard so many people say things like, if the players are paid people are going to stop being interested in college sports you know they won't watch because the reason they watch is because it's it's special to have this bond with the university you're playing for the love of the game the love of your school the love of your student body
1: Boo. whatever
3: whatever we have yeah. degrees but guess what you know major league baseball even though it's a mess they're playing right now the NFL is going to play they're not going to cancel games in the NFL barring absolute disaster the nhl and the nba are in their bubbles mls uh, the wnba national women's soccer league they're all doing bubble things of various kinds and it's working for them and the reason that that could happen is that they have unions they have players unions that could come together bargain with the leagues and say hey we're willing to take this risk uh you know these are the terms that we are returning under and Uh, You know, we accept a certain degree of that possible pain because we want to play and we want to make this money. I have a lot of respect for Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, the college football players who have spearheaded a movement to try to get these conferences to reinstate their seasons. But tweeting hashtag we want to play or having your parents write a strongly worded letter to a commissioner is not even close to the same thing in court as having a signed collective, collective bargaining agreement that says we sign away X rights in order to come back and play. And I think that is a core. Why college football is not going to happen as normal this year, why it might not happen much at all uh, is because you have a workforce that does not have the ability to sign away the possibility of a significant lawsuit down the line. So I think college administrators have sort of played themselves in that regard.
0: Do you buy into the theory or the storyline? Because I tend to do a little bit that, and I heard this from people in the SEC as well, is that, yes, like player health and safety was a problem. And obviously that study came out about myocardial, whatever I can't pronounce it because I'm dumb and I'm from Mississippi. They were very alarmed by that. But I also think to some degree they were maybe using that as a little bit of a meat shield because they were terrified almost, I don't know, more so, equally so, less so, but they were very terrified by this player organization movement and kind of player empowerment. Do you think that played into any of the decision making at all?
3: I don't actually. Uh, I've heard that a lot. You know, particularly people saying that the Big Ten and the Pac twelve those were the two conferences where the players really stood up and had these public stances, uh, making demands of their conferences, so they just shut down. This is a thing we read about in our book. Uh, the simple stuff. And the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have kind of been since the beginning of time the the conferences that are the most, uh, or I guess I should say, the least uh, in terms of emphasizing athletics and thinking we should play sports at all costs. I think that there, are, you know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are in political footprints that are a little different than the SEC and the ACC and the Big Twelve uh, in states that tend to have been more fearful of the virus, in my opinion, for better. I know not everyone's going to agree with that, but uh, that have seen it differently than a lot of states in the big 12 and the SEC. I think it comes down to that and it comes down to liability more than it comes to any particular desire to stick it to the players. Just my view of it from where I am.
1: Yep. For sure. For sure. Well, um, you know, Alex, uh, once again, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, you are our first guest. Uh, you know, we really enjoyed this. Folks, if you're listening, follow uh, Alex at Alex underscore Kirshner uh, on Twitter. Uh, buy his book, Sinful7, at Sinful7.com. Uh, check out the Moon Crew LLC, at Moon Crew LLC on Twitter. Um, Alex, before we let you go, uh, one question, which was a pretty hot topic of debate on the last episode. Uh, what are your top three spike seltzers?
3: There are answers. <laughs> My top three Spike Seltzers. Well, gin would be number one. Uh, vodka would be number two. And whiskey would be
2: number two. Love it. Love it. I was about to say, that uh, That top uh, Rippies, uh, Coors Banquet Beer, Coors Light, Miller Light, Spike Seltzer.
0: Because...
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think
0: I need a little bit of
2: pub in that mix, though. <laughs> You know what? Uh, I'm going to go I'm gonna go crack into a Corona seltzer despite both of y'all right now.
1: Perfect. Um, folks, thanks again for listening to Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical podcast. Thanks again to our illustrious guest, Alex Kirshner. Uh, folks, we'll see you again soon.
2: Later, guys. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, Yes, cool, or attending one live, oh!